Welcome to Basic Snitches. Welcome. Welcome aboard Glamazonian Airways. That was beautiful. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And today we're discussing chapter 18, 18. of Order of the Phoenix. Or, order of the Phoenix. What? Dumbledore's Army. Dumbledore's Army. That was beautiful. Ah, I do what I can. Listeners, write in and let me know if you want me to record in that voice all the time. One really quick announcement that I didn't actually add into the last episode. Last time we said Roxana Bell would be here, she was not there. She wasn't feeling well, so she will be in a future episode. So in case you were like, what the fuck happened? That's what happened. Don't worry. Everything is fine with Roxana. We'll see her in a couple episodes. But this isn't the Roxana Bell segment. I'm sorry, Roxana, but it isn't. It's the Patreon segment, and so we are going to acknowledge our seven patrons. Those people are Ashley, Olivia, Marybeth, Brian, Layla, Nisi, and Brittany. Add yourself to that list by going to patreon.com slash basic snitches for $3 a month. You will be mentioned in every episode and get a whole bunch of great exclusive content that are only for our Patreon subscribers. This week's is a meaty one. And actually, it is a recommendation from the other Olivia, Olivia P. And it's actually kind of almost its little mini episode. We go on quite a bit on this topic, and it might be something that becomes a special episode in the future. So check that out. <laughs> Who won and lost the last chapter? Okay, we're, yeah, yes. Winner and loser of chapter 17, do you have a guess? Uh, the loser's on and the winner is Grubbly Plank. You are correct on the loser. Okay, I just, I see, now I'm just doing it based on all the points. <laughs> right. The winner, there's two winners in the episode, oh, in the chapter. Nice. Grubbly Plank is one of them. Not just because she helps Edwig, but because she, she's just like a solid person. She's like, I'm here to help. She doesn't go, mm, Harry, why the fuck aren't you in class? Or like, I'll do it on one condition. She just is like, yeah, here to help. I love that bitch. The other winner of that chapter, and I really just wanted to give her a win because I love her so much, is McGonagall. Oh, okay. Um, I just appreciate her being this person that's like constantly reminding Harry to be diligent and smart, but also she doesn't do it in an unkind way. She doesn't pat his head or whatever and be like, now Harry, you have to be safe. She's just constantly so good. This little part, she knew exactly what was going on and she doesn't lecture him because she understands that he's a kid who just wants to fucking talk to his godfather, you know? Mm. And she's like, it's not safe. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I just found her to be so lovely in this chapter. So I gave her a dual win with Grubbly Plank. Cool. They would be a nice lesbian couple. They sure would. Okay, so Adam sent me a thing. I'm assuming you did. Yes. Because you're the responsible one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read it. It is not short like mine. No, it's normally size. Chapter 18. Um, you, well, you titled this The Room of Requirement, but it's actually called oh, Dumbledore's Army. Yeah, that's what it is. But it is important to know about The Room of Requirement, it so is. it's cool. Dumbledore's Army. Okay, so, 
We open the chapter with the students practicing their Italian and charms as Hermione is getting second thoughts about Harry teaching data. Why do I think this is another instance of Sirius actually kind of being right? Can't slight Hermione for her bullshit detector being on full blast. Quidditch is back on, which is great, but they have to go to practice in a monsoon. Afterwards, Harry's scar hurts yet again. He can sense that Cocaine Baby is angry. To which I imagine an angry baby smashing a cake. See, when you picture it like that, it's not so bad. Harry can somehow read Cocaine Baby's thoughts, or rather mood, and he's doing homework later and this colors his dreams when he falls asleep in the common room. Well, at least he'll have a dream to assess in the next divination class. He gets woken up by a drag queen. Oh wait, that's no drag queen. It's Dobby, who is wearing almost all of Hermione's hats, and it's called Fashion Honey. Toby brings back Hedwig, whose wing is all better, then tips Harry off to the room of requirement as a potential place for them to have data lessons. Fuck yes, doubles. The word gets out and they all head to the room of requirement, which is set up perfectly for data lessons. They have dark detectors and everything. Everyone shows up on time, they elect Harry the leader, which seemed a bit redundant, but okay, and then decide on the name Dumbledore's Army, Ginny's recommendation even though Angelina and Fred had some pretty good anti-umbrage ones too. Class goes pretty well overall. Yay, another pretty positive chapter. Yes! It is though. It's a, it's a nice chapter. It is a good chapter. It's a, quite a bit meatier than the last <laughs> one, but a little more streamlined. So yes, Silencio does sound like they're speaking Italian. I'm sure it probably is. It is Italian. It Silencio is, is Silencio. Italian. It's the only fucking word I know in Italian. I'm going to say it's like chow. Spaghetti. But the only reason I know it, have I ever told you my Silencio story? No. Well, this is important. <laughs> it's very important. When we went to Italy with the chamber singers at Walsh, we would go into all these basilicas and all of these places where you weren't allowed to talk. And inside St. Peter's Basilica, we are walking through and there's a recording that's just going, shh, Silencio. And we're giggling every fucking time because we're dumbass college students. We're like, that's funnier. And it's more obnoxious than if we were just whispering in this basilica <laughs> because you have this awful recording that is obnoxious going, shh, Silencio. I still laugh about it like that, that fucking sexy. Right? That was my oh my god. So yeah, I was like, yay, Italian. And well, I love that you put that in your thing. At least the silencio charm does what you think it's gonna do. So this is also where Hermione's starting to have some second thoughts about Dumbledore's army. And I said a little bit of this about this in the thing too. You know, I appreciate that her bullshit detector is on. But she is being very, very cautious with all of this stuff. Even though Sirius is vicariously living through them, it doesn't mean that he's also not right. Which I think that he is to a degree. So I don't know. It's something that we kind of talked about in the last episode too. But it makes a lot of sense here that, you know, Hermione is on guard. Um, and she is considering this stuff, but there's a lot of thought that goes into it. She's just smart. Like, she's just trying to keep everyone safe, but she understands the importance. I think that it's a nice level set for the chapter, too. I mean, they're doing some pretty risky stuff here, but it's good to see all these different, like, sides of it. I also think while they're here in the Gryffindor common room, isn't this where the twins are showing off their skiving snack boxes? They sure are. They just being like, watch me project elf on it. And I'm like, it's come on, guys. nasty. It's... I wouldn't give you money for that. I'd be like, bye. I don't want to watch you do that over and over again. But I will say, does the antidote part of the candy work even if you did not use the sickness part of the candy. Yes. Because remember they try to give 
Katie that nosebleed oh, one. Oh, yes. Even though she even didn't, though have, she, she didn't right, actually right. get it. So I'm assuming that's okay. also... Well, so they could probably benefit pretty greatly by just doing the antidote parts, too. Like, you eat a candy and you don't have a fever. That's pretty great. I would like to think that once they get their joke shop going... That they've got, like, a contract with, like, St. Mungo's. Oh, or, maybe. or maybe some healers. Because, obviously, like, that has to be whatever the wizard equivalent of the FDA. Some sort of approval. Although, you know, it's wizards, so probably not. Yeah, they don't have a lot of infrastructure, <laughs> so you never know. Yeah, just something that occurred to me. I love that. I didn't think about that. It's a cute little thing that happens there that it just adds some color. But I was like, hmm, maybe there's some benefit there. Luckily, Quidditch is back on. And Angelina's like, we got to take our time when we can. Our first match is coming up. We need to make sure that we win. They go out and they perform in this terrible storm, which is not something new. But the biggest thing is what happens afterwards when they're like in the locker room or or whatever and Harry's scar hurts. This is where we get a little bit more context about the whole scar hurting thing, which obviously we've gotten a good amount of throughout the series thus far. But there's the whole reading his mind sort of thing that comes up and more so reading his mood. And then of course the hint that occlumency is coming up. This is also something that I've already mentioned that's like the spirit guides thing. For example, whenever your ears are ringing or something, that may be being like a message that your spirit guides are trying to send you, something like that. It's a little bit repetitive, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing, because that was a, another witchy segment from the previous episode. We like witchy segments. That's fine. I wanted to obviously bring that up, because it's something that is becoming a little bit more prevalent now as well. And of course, the fact that he can tell, without actively thinking about it, that, oh, he's angry because he hasn't gotten the prophecy yet, or whatever the case may be. He's an angry cocaine baby, so... Yes, he's smashing that cake. Like a birthday cake where they have the smash cakes. That, that's what I was thinking. Oh, I totally knew what you were talking about. Yeah. I'm like, yep. That's the most fun time when a baby is angry. And they can just, like, smash that cake. I, why can't I have a smash cake? I don't care that I'm 37. There are better uses for that cake, honestly. Well, that's fair, that's fair. Coming out of that, there's a lot of homework that is happening. It's just kind of traditional school kind of stuff. It felt very cozy to me. Yeah. I always feel like I can use more of the, like, real world, like, study stuff and learn a little bit more about, like, what they're learning and everything. So anytime we get that, I always like it. Some of it is, like, the essay that he had to write based on what happened in Snape's classroom in the last, so on and so forth. It also helps keep us, like, on this feel that we're progressing through time Mm-hmm. And not just a story. I started to read this chapter and I was like, we gotta get to the room of requirement. But we have all this stuff happened before the continuation of the last chapter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, meeting Dobby, because we still don't know about the room of requirement yet. I like what you said when you called it cozy. I was like, oh, it feels like normal stuff. Yeah, it's the kind of like coziness that we know of Hogwarts that isn't <laughs> as prevalent in some of these later books. It's kind of set up that way, and that's kind of the feeling that you get in at least the first few books, maybe. But you lose some of that, and it, like it's still there, but it's taken over by a lot of this plot. That opportunity to slow a little bit down is kind of nice, because yeah, truly, like the meat of the chapter does happen later, like in the second half of the chapter. Yeah. And actually, that's what kind of comes up here. He's doing his homework. He falls asleep. He uh, comes up with a dream that he can now finally use in his divination class. Right. Is he going to? Absolutely not. No, not at all. (laughs) And then Dobby, and he's wearing all the hats. I know. The hats. 
I like that. He's like, I'm going to take all these hats. Nobody else wants them. Tommy is such a good soul. He sees what Hermione's trying to do. No one has the heart to tell Hermione, like, this can't work, bitch. And the other elves are mad. And Dobby's like, well, I'll just take care of it. I'll clean the common room. Mm-hmm. I'll wear these hats because I think they're fucking great. It's an opportunity to maybe see Harry. And yeah. I got lucky this time. Dobby is someone who is definitely irritating at first when he's first introduced in the series. It was such a welcome reintroduction in this book. Because mm-hmm. obviously he's in the last couple as well. But here, yeah, that part of like taking all the hats and everything and further supporting what we all know about like the whole spew stuff and they don't really want this. That's when he, through their conversation, brings up the rumor requirement. And to kind of double down on Dobby being like a solid bitch, he says that he used the rumor requirement one time to help hungover Winky. Winky, I know, because he's a good guy. Yeah, and he had all the things that he needed. There was some PDA light up in there, so on and so forth. Right. Similarly, just the fact that Winky is still like a mess and we are all Winky. I'm so winky. All she does is drink and get sad. Sounds like you. That's me. I mean, I drink. I'm not sad all the time. I got (laughs) ups and downs, but... I thought it was really cute that he was like, well, I use the requirement to, like, help out my mess of a friend. He's so good. A huge Dobby fan in this book. Definitely. This is, like, the strongest point of Dobby for me. You get Harry remembering that Dumbledore told him about the room. Yeah. There's that, like, little snippet. He's like, so if you really needed a bathroom. Which, that's an interesting detail from a previous book that was kind of, like, folded in there. The fact that they're even calling back to that is kind of interesting. What would you use the room of requirement for? What would I use it for? Yeah. I probably use it as a place to... I don't want, like, a sensory deprivation tank, but I want a space where I'm not distracted by things. Uh-huh. So, like, I would use it as a space that doesn't have much in it, but is so comfortable that I could go and, like, unwind because I'm so easily distracted by stuff. Like, your living room is beautiful, but I could not unwind here because I'm like, oh, I'm constantly looking at how beautiful everything is. Really? Like, yeah. I've well, always been to like a degree, that. that's kind of unwinding. Yes, but I get very distracted <clears throat> by things like that. And instead of it being like, oh, this is a nice way to enjoy what's around me, it just gets my imagination still going. Like, my brain is still going nonstop when I have lots of things to look at. I need a place where there's not lots to look at, but it's still comfortable. A room maybe this size with a couple of chairs and a blanket. The book that I'm reading. No other books. Not my phone, not a window with anything exciting out of it. I'm very easily distracted. My answer is similar because I would also say like a meditation room sort of thing. Here's the thing. It's not easy to get any sort of mindful practice in when you're at Hogwarts, clearly. Jesus, no. And I've said this time and time again. I think that that is a portion of magic too. Like that's something that they should be encouraging and everything. Mental health and stuff at Hogwarts, which they absolutely do not. So I think I would prefer something like that. Or in general, I'm somebody who needs their own space and needs to kind of like get away from people and so similarly something like that I think would be my preference. Yeah because like all those students they're all sharing a room with each other and like what if Seamus is not getting the sleep needs because Ron fucking snores. Now you could always say that there's magic for that. Well that's the thing there probably is but like. Mofliato is something that they could use in Ron. Right but that's not a spell that 
they know about. Well, they don't know about it yet, but they like I'm sure, you know, they there's so many instances <coughs> where they go into the library and they, they learn about stuff. I'm just being devil's advocate, obviously. No, 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 I know but... what you're saying. There's a vulnerability of sharing rooms with people. I know that they all have like curtains around their beds and stuff, but you gotta change and what if you're just not feeling like you wanna change in front of people? Mm-hmm. I think there's so many opportunities for like everybody to use the room requirement. Especially and I'm sure well, we'll get to the movie shortly, but the opportunity for people to use the room of requirement at different times or different things things yeah. like that um we could use room requirement to record our legal muggle podcast that's right we need an actual like recording studio because we're doing this in my living room yeah on my laptop the concept of the room of requirement is super interesting and it brings in a whole new well sort of something that we've seen in the past with things like and things that we will see in the future like the <laughs> tents at the Quidditch World Cup or Hermione's bag where there's this space that kind of materializes out of nothing. An undetectable extension charm? Sure. Room of Requirement even feels a little bit more advanced than that. I also was kind of thinking like is this where the Mirror of Erised originally was? I wonder if at some point it was there or is going to be there. Because when Harry stumbles upon it, it's kind of like in an empty classroom and he's looking for a place to hide. That is such a interesting thing but remember he takes ron back there maybe he was looking for it i yeah that's true dumbledore says don't go looking for it it's going to be moved maybe that's dumbledore telling him see i'm torn like i really like that idea but also i'm like i don't think that dumbledore knew about the room requirement maybe he did and he's just being cheeky because fucking dumbledore i think that's probably you're probably right because then maybe he doesn't want harry to stumble into the room requirement anymore you gotta get that out of there. There's other mm-hmm. stuff in there. Obviously, huh. like, there's this version of the room of requirement where there's all this shit, including the diadem. So, yeah, I mean, clearly there's different versions of the room of requirement, too. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just something interesting to think about. While Dobby is talking about it, he's like, I could show you it right now, but it's late at night. And I was like, good on you, Harry, because he has this moment where he's like, yeah, let's go see it right now. And then he's like, you know what? Actually, it's probably not good for me to go out right now. Be out in the fucking halls. Can you just tell me where it is? And I'm like, wow, that's some growth right there that we haven't really seen a ton of. It's not a typical Harry thing. Yeah, like there was even the moment in a few chapters ago where they're back in Umbridge's classroom and he speaks out a turn. And there's the thing that happens in Grubbly Plank's classroom and he gets all this detention for it. So now it's finally time for Dumbledore's Army's first class. I love it so much. Although, I do want to talk about Hermione's hesitation. Be like, really? Dobby told you about that? Uh, She's so not about it. And Harry's like, no, no, no. Dumbledore said something, too. Like, he had to stick up for Dobby with that. Yeah, I think it's similar to what I had said earlier about her bullshit detector being on. She's definitely on top of making sure that, you know, everything is safe and correct and everything because there is so much, like, uncertainty. So, yeah, absolutely. I also picked up on that. I also like that they're using the map. We haven't seen the map they for a have, while. They're, like, real strategic about getting in there, too. Yeah, and out of there, which we'll yeah. talk about in a minute. I really enjoyed that, that they're like, okay, this is very serious. We're going to use the tools that we have at our disposal, so on and so forth. Harry has a lot of experience learning how to not get himself in trouble anyway. But now he's including all these other people and he is thinking of them, you know? He doesn't want these 20 other students to get in trouble or caught out of bed and have detention. 
Especially if they end up with detention with bitch because he doesn't want that to happen to them. I think that it shows in this moment, and there were even a few moments in the last chapter too, where you can tell that they are all minding their P's and Q's a little bit better. And that is apparent here too. If any of these students get caught, and I'm not saying that this is what Harry is thinking, but if any of them get caught, it'll come down on him as well. Absolutely. I think it's the right frame of mind going immediately into all of this. Yes. And he's taking all the precautions and everything. And when they go into the room of requirement, it is more perfect. We'll get into the movie obviously soon, but like <laughs> it's more perfect than the movie even puts forth. It's got all the books, all the tools, all the dark detectors, everything that they could possibly need. That faux glass could come in real handy. It's mentioned that it's not just faux glass. It's like the faux glass that was in Moody's, Moody's office, <laughs> which technically would have been left behind for bitch. And it just like, she don't get to have that. That faux glass was like, uh-uh, later days out of here, faux glass, faux glass literally was like, I can't do this. Bye. I'm not dealing with this hoe. <laughs> she a foe. She a foe for show. The I've already said glass, that previously. If you don't get the faux glass points for that, I'm just kidding. Well, unfortunately I do not. But, we're, I mean, We're gonna like, give it some acknowledgement for being Acknowledgement great. at least for being sentient and realizing that this person is rancid. <laughs> and all the books. Yeah, exactly. All the books, all the tools that they could have. There's the one moment where he's like, I really wish I had a whistle. And he looks down and it's just there. I just got a fucking whistle now. It's absolutely perfect. To that point, like, what we would use the room of requirement for the fact that it's so flexible that you know maybe you are relaxing and reading a book and you're like i really wish i had like a coffee and boom that appears oh my god i need this room i mean if i had a room of requirement in my house based on everything that i currently have in my house maybe what i would do is like a really nice guest room Ooh, that's yeah. probably some yes i do like the conservatory is a guest room the basement is a guest room but if someone had like an extended stay here or something like that oh, yes. i don't have something that's like comfortable for someone for you know over i don't know two nights or something like that right but a dining room too would also be nice i don't have a dining room okay. yeah so that is another big thing that you'd be like mm, i don't need this when it's just me but then when i having people over yeah exactly you have a dining room i like it that's the thing every house needs one of these so uh yes come on magical community Get on that. Yeah. The next thing that happens once everyone gets there and everyone's on time and they're sitting on their little like mats or poofs or whatever, Hermione's like, we need to elect a leader. And I'm like, how necessary is this? We all know who the leader is. It's very from... weird. Yeah. Now the name thing, like I can appreciate that at least. And they go I into a little it. bit about that. Like I said in my thing, Angelina and Fred have um, really good I oper- love Angelina's. It's like Umbridge is a fucking bitch. And then Fred's like, Ministry of Magic fucking sucks. Yeah, and exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, both I like of those that are one. really good names. <laughs> but then I think it's like a collaboration actually between Cho and Ginny. Cho is like the Defense Association, which is fine. But she's coming up with the DA and Ginny is like, nah, bitch, DA, Dumbledore's army because they're afraid of us because we are better than them. Yeah, so the fact that it's a little collab between the two of them I think is really cute. That's all really great, and then they kind of get down to it, and I feel like, yes, this is a series about magic, but this whole scene, just the way that it unfolds and everything, is just magical. There's this feeling of collaboration in the air, Mm -hmm. and that people are open to learning, and just a very great shining moment in this book that has been mostly negative so far. I think that Harry is just really good he teaches everybody in the best way that fits for them and he starts off with the most basic important thing that he also knows the best 
the Expelliarmus, which is, you know, a constant joke. We're like, oh, that's Harry's only spell. But, like, that is such a basic way of survival. We remove the threat. In a pinch, that's what'll and help you out. Zach Smith is like, uh, really? Are you fucking kidding me? And Harry's like, literally it saved my life last And Didn't he say something to you that was like, you don't mind even leave? Yeah. Here's what I'll say about Harry using, because people like to make the joke about him using Expelliarmus, is that it just shows who Harry is down to the wire. And I know it like comes back to bite him in the ass in the seventh book. Harry is not an attack kind of person. Harry is a defend or like eliminate a threat kind of person. And it just ultimately shows who he is, that he's not interested in winning some battle. He's interested in keeping people safe, which is a whole different thing. That's a good way to look into it. And this is, you see that in his teaching style. The first thing he does is not, this is how you attack a person. This is how you eliminate your threat. I would even go so far to say, as all of us who are consuming this media, we only see what we see, too. (laughs) That is a great way to show that that's what Harry is all about, too. But it's also a great introductory spell, like we had already said. Let's be honest, this is an Expelliarmus class. They're learning about all this stuff. And I have thoughts about the movie, but I'm going to say it now. Like, they do get into multiple spells there. Stupefy, obviously. Reducto is one that they get into. I'm sure there's other ones that I'm not recalling. But this is just one part that we are seeing. And from everything that we've seen so far in the series, it is worth noting that, yes, there are other things that they are learning in this class. Would you like to say something into microphone? What you got to say, Bentley? He just sniffed it like he was going to say something. What you got to say? Oh, now you don't want to say anything? Bentley, can you speak? Okay. Apparently not. So yeah, I think that overall, anybody who wants to say that, first of all, you're not looking at life from just one angle, so why are you looking at this from one angle? Right. I think it's safe to say, you know, four and a half books into the series, to a degree, this series does imitate life. Like, there's a lot oh, of yeah. parallels. So, just looking at this and being like, well, heal me, teach the Spelliarmus is not the way to read this book. That right. is already so rich and everything. So, another thing that I have to say about this is, you know, Zach, and actually probably even more so than Zach, Marietta's attitude suck. Marietta is a problem. Obviously, yeah. she is the problem later. Yeah. She showed up to the hogshead as well. She was clearly referenced there. Oh, yeah. I don't think that she came into this being like, I'm going to be the bitch that tells everyone about this. No. But the fact that they're still there. I Like, sometimes all you have to do is show up in any instance, you know? So that alone speaks in volumes. I think we've mentioned that about Zach. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, in Zach Smith, he's like a devil's advocate here, but he's not bad. Absolutely. So yeah, in general, I think it's all so great. And even like when he's like, oh shit, we went over by 10 minutes. Everybody leave, but he lets them out in groups and then watches them on the map to make sure they don't get caught and all of that. It's so ideal. The one other little detail that I do have is that when they're leaving, I think it's Angeline is like, we need to consider Quidditch practices and stuff. And he's like, well, okay, cool. Let's do next Wednesday. But part of me was like, why don't you just do when the Slytherins are practicing next? Because there ain't no Slytherins there. That's interesting. (laughs) That would have been my first thought is like, okay, well, let's do the day when we know none of us are going to be busy. But other than that, it's done in such a perfect way. I'm so pleased with them getting to have a successful class like this. Mm. And they continue to have lots of successful classes before, you know, things go to shit. I really like the contrast between Cho and Luna. Cho's like, my parents want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, and then meanwhile, 
Luna's like, my dad would fucking love this. Yeah, we support yeah. you. You know, it's very interesting because you see from the kid's perspective, Cho's choice to defy her family. We don't see Seamus isn't here yet. Dean will bring him later. Mm-hmm. And another lesson, but what that looks like between Cho, who is clearly defying her mother, and Seamus, who is not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have Luna, who, like Neville, you know, her guardian is like, probably sure whatever you know it's a cool thing to see behind their backgrounds i guess i think a good way to look into this and i've said stuff like this in the past too we're all products of our families but that doesn't mean we need to abide by their standards (laughs) like we're all our own people so i like that people are making their own decisions you know some people may feel a specific way let's talk about marietta for example she showed up she wouldn't be there if she didn't want to be there. The fact that she has shown up at least shows something, but there is some hesitation because, you know, she cares about this other thing too. Sure, that's all valid. And then there are people like Luna and then Cho, who's a little bit more in the middle. Even Hermione, you know, is somebody who might be a little bit more in the middle. That is always like, I think a good lesson is like, you do not have to do what other people want you to do, no matter who they are. If you're a parent, etc. Do what you think is right. It's very interesting because these are kids that are all the way out of school they saw their parents last on september 1st and they won't see them again until december 24th there's a lot of time these kids spend not with their parents but with each other i also want to say i love the end of the chapter where ron and hermione are having a little bickering and harry is one thinking about cho but also he's doing the leader thing and like watching the map making sure everyone's getting back to their dorms safely like mm-hmm. you were saying earlier really but like it that. just shows mm-hmm. that he is still very aware of that he's probably riding on a high of how successful that was good for him yeah absolutely it goes back to something else that we've already said previously that is definitely a theme for this episode things we've said previously (laughs) i do think that it is canon that after he retires from being an or or something he goes back and teaches he absolutely does i refuse to accept anything different yes what are we playing today we're playing would you rather Oh my. I have three would you rathers. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Would you rather do a silencing charm on a raven or a bullfrog? On a bullfrog. I'm curious to know why because I feel like this is an easy Because as we've already talked, I would love to have a crow as a pet. And I feel like me and that crow would be best friends. And I don't want to be like silencio bitch. Silencio raven. Fuck you. I love it. Next. Okay. The next one is would you rather play Quidditch for over an hour in the pouring rain or have Peeves dump an entire bottle of ink on your head? Oh, the first one, 100%. The second one isn't fun at all. And then you just get mad at this ghost chode. Fucking hate that guy. And number three, would you rather have Fred and George disarm you while you're trying to disarm someone else and make you look like a fucking stupid idiot? Uh Uh-huh. Or have Cho accidentally set your clothing on fire? Oh, that's good. I would probably say Cho set my clothes on fire. It's obviously the one that's more inconvenient, but it's an accident. <laughs> she didn't mean to do that. She's busy looking at Harry. Yeah, that it's more innocent, whereas the twins are doing that to be rude. And I was Zach Smith, too, but I would prefer the, for, for the other one. What are your answers? Um, so my answers are the bullfrog. Uh-huh. Just because. Okay. Honestly, like, I have no reason other than, like, I feel like bullfrogs are more annoying than crows, maybe, as far as, like, their sound. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I kind of feel like Or ravens. I'm sorry, ravens. Which I don't think ravens and crows are not the same thing, and I don't know that <laughs> what a raven sounds like. Oh, I would be friends with both of them. I like ravens and crows. Right. 
Ravens and crows, ravens and crows. That's beautiful. And then I think that I would actually rather have pews dump ink on my head. Mm-mm. Because I don't want to be out in the rain like that. I don't want to be angry can, at that ghost bitch. He will just dump ink on my head and I will be like, vanishes fell thing. Oh, yeah. yeah well, that's so. a good idea, but... They still haven't talked about the dry yourself off spell in this one. That's from Fantastic Peace. So I feel like this one would be easier. <laughs> you could use that after being in the rain, though, too. Just vanish the rain. Yes. But you can't vanish the dampness of your clothing after being in the a rain. Have you ever left a cake out in the rain? <laughs> let's talk about the movie. Yes, shall we? let's. let's. Uh, I feel like the book makes it so much more shiny <laughs> if you will the way that the movie chooses to do this in a montage again like the other stuff earlier this movie has a lot of montages yeah i feel like it's lazy at this point. it is now i will say it looks great the stuff that they sure. do looks yeah. great the the scene work is lovely the room looks awesome but i want more because i want to see the way everyone progresses mm -hmm. i'm glad that they do the little thing haha between Hermione and Ron. Ron. They know. show people betting that Ron's going right. to be Hermione. There's no way either twin would choose Ron over Hermione. Right. That, 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 that is some bullshit. Showing Neville disarming whichever twin that is. Again, I'm always frustrated with that extra random child that's been added in. That's not the creepy one oh, of yes. brothers. Oh, Nigel. Nigel. And not that I don't like Nigel. I'm like, oh, you're a cute kid, but like, I don't. The Creevy Brothers could be there instead. Yeah, exactly. The fact they did with the Umbridge thing, the Umbridge thing works better for me. This takes everything and compiles in this section. And the comedic shit with Filch and the Inquisitorial Squad squeezed in there. Like, I get it. They're showing that progression. But it kind of takes away from how beautiful it is that these students are learning. That's with what this, I like, think I... With this, like, stupid shit with all of them. Yeah, that sums up what I feel a lot. Even some of those instances, like, the whistle thing would have been so fun to add. And it's I mean, so, so easy. easy. You know, they have the dummies, like the mannequin dementors almost, and things like that. And it's all fine and good, but I don't think, first of all, that... The room requirement does as good a job as in the book. In the book, it felt much more welcoming. Ah, this is what you need it for here is literally everything you need. You don't get that feeling here. I don't think you get as much of a feeling as camaraderie here. Now, I know that there is the scene later where they're doing the Patronuses. Patroni, whatever. Patronuses. That, I think, has a little bit more of that feel. Well, obviously, we're not there yet. But I would have liked a little bit more of that. I always think of what is going to be the thing that appeals more to a widespread audience. I think the comedic shit with Filch is fine. I do not really like how they speed up the whole thing within Inquisitorial Squad. We do get a few interesting things here, though. Like, I had mentioned earlier in this episode that two people using the room of requirement at the same time for different purposes. Everybody is in that room doing Defense Against Dark Arts and then Filch and the other fuckers, they like bum rush the door when it turns small and now it's a broom closet. And like there's one moment where Filch is up by one door and then everybody goes out another one. So the room is like intelligent enough. Right. Things like that I appreciate. Like it gives you more of an idea of what the room can do. I do like that it shows more than Expelliarmus as well. But then again, in the book, we're just looking at the one chapter. So I, I get that at the very least. I mean, here's the thing. It's fine. It's fine as is. This is a classic case of like, it's just so much better in the book. 
Well, yeah. I mean, and again, it's it's a lot of stuff to put. I mean, look at how fucking big this book yeah. is. It's a lot to put in a movie. We have to talk about the choice to, again, cut Dobby from an entire movie. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because I even remember when we were watching it. Neville's running away from, like, Crab and Goyle. And he just, like, passes the wall and the door appears. Why? Was he thinking of a place to hide? Because he had already, like, kind of escaped. Like, they weren't chasing him. The choice to have Neville just be like, oh, here it is. Didn't love that. Obviously, we love Neville. The fifth movie came out after the seventh book was written. It was just a perfect opportunity for us to be like, fuck, we need to bring the elf back in. Because he important. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't. And the other thing is this narration from Hermione about what the room of requirement is. I think it cheapens it. It totally cheapens it. That's true too. I even said when we were watching it too, Hermione's kind of a bitch. Even when like she's about to fight Ron, it's almost like a book one prior to them being friends yeah. sort of. Thing. Well then, you know, when Ron's like, oh, you know, like if you need a bathroom, you know, they have they give him that line in the movie. And charming. She's like, she's like, ew, that's yeah. charming. And I was like, Harry told you that Dumbledore mentioned it. That's... Why Dumbledore mentioned it to Harry? You know, also Fred and George once hid in it and there's a broom closet. Yeah. It's not know. like Ron was like, what if somebody has explosive diarrhea and they have to take a shit? Right. He was like, really? The word toilet upsets you? Toilets you are, are a Hermione. theme. Toilets you... are a theme in this series. We, sure we talked is. about that in our OSHA episode. We did. Also, Hermione, you're not bothered by the word toilet. What is your deal? Like, yeah. why is she so bitchy in the movie? I don't know. I, I, it does really bother me. Did the writers just go, Evan Watson, you're turning into this gorgeous young woman, and you have a really good resting bitch face, so we're just going to have you be a bitch oh, in this movie. Now, now that you're becoming more beautiful, now you can right. no longer be nice. Right. Because like That's a the, big criticism I have. Hermione in this movie is frustrating, and I've said before I don't love Emma Watson in this movie, but I think a lot of it is the direction that they're pushing her character yeah i can totally see that i'm glad that you mentioned because that is something so frustrating for all intents and purposes sure it's fine now that i think about it in hindsight the hermione issue from what we have to work with is maybe one of my biggest gripes about this i do agree yeah the whole neville discovering the room all of a sudden especially after in the last chapter when he kind of stood up to them you don't get that in the movie at all but i don't know it feels out of place and the random scene where it's like the weasleys Hermione, Harry, and Neville. She's like, here it is. And then I'm going to give you this narration about it. Well, yeah, like she had read it in Hogwarts of History or something. Yeah. I can't remember if Ginny was in that scene, if it was just the twins and Ron, her and Harry and Neville. As a movie, sure. But us who were like, we just read the book and like, I just want more. Yeah. It's disappointing. I agree. And then, yeah, the Dobby thing, too. How fun would it have been to see Dobby walk in with all these hats on? And they're, like, teetering on his head. But they haven't explained any of that shit, either. No, like, there's no spew stuff. Of course, it would be fun just to see Dobby with a bunch of hats on his head anyway. Yeah, here's the thing. I'd be like, that's just who he is, guys. Remove the bitchy Hermione stuff and put that in here that she's always, like, knitting. The one other scene where she's talking about, oh, we have to tell something about this. And Harry's like, no. And she's like, yeah. Have to tell somebody about this. Like, just have her be knitting. Have her be knitting. It's such an easy, simple thing to do. And then have Dobby come in. And sure, we don't need to explain Spew. Instead, you just be like, Hermione just makes elf hats for Dobby. Not even that. <laughs> but I think that there have been some moments where they include something in the book, but they don't describe what it is. The Thestral thing, for example, perhaps. Which, that's something that we did not say in the last chapter, is that 
we do hear Probably about Plank Thestrals. mentions Thestrals and Harry has, it's like, like Harry has no that? fucking idea yeah. or care. Yeah. He doesn't even give a shit. He's like, take care of my owl. Yeah. That's the, hey, it is I do love it that. But that, that was a little detail that I was like, oh my God, we forgot about that. That's okay. It would have been so easy to include some of the really nice details in here, but instead they went with a montage where it feels lazy. Again, because they did one earlier. And I get it because, you know, they use it as like a progression of time, but you did it twice. Before yeah. Christmas. Like you said, it is a thick book. Although, we're at, in, in my version, I have a hard copy. We're at like page 400. How many pages um, is this? We might be like right in the middle. I am at 397. Yeah, I think I'm like right there. How many pages are in this book? I think we're at the middle. I think you are correct. Ew, I need to work off that. Page. Yeah, ew, we're in the middle of Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Sorry, I saw this. Oh, gross. I know. It's a picture of... The author. 870 pages. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, okay. We're so about that... halfway. Couple more pages, yeah. like twenty more pages. After the next chapter, probably. Yeah. All right. Well, my points are very simple this time. There are so many people I could have given points to. As we were talking, I was like, I could have given points to Ginny. I could have given points to Cho. I could have given points to Angelina. I could have given points to Fred. Like there are so many people. Everything is so fucking positive in this chapter so i only give points to two people and it's 30 points to harry and dobby i appreciate that harry's a great teacher and dobby comes in and i was like dobby is so cute in this moment so yeah 30 points to harry and dobby that does not mean that anybody else was not deserving of points but it would have been kind of a lot if i'm like 10 points to all these other motherfuckers you know i had said the hogshead is my favorite chapter so far this one was really good though this and the hogshead are two of my favorites thus far so we'll see what happens when we get to a wrap-up in you know three years three years well maybe two and a half maybe maybe So next time, we will not be discussing anything. I mean, we will be discussing things, but we won't be discussing a chapter. We will be hanging out with my friends. Her friends that I have not discussed anything with or talking talking to. Yeah, I've not talking to. Talking to was a fighting game on the PlayStation when I was a child. Tekken 2. Tekken 2? Yeah, it was like a fighting game. Like a like a Mortal Kombat mode. Whatever. We are doing a collab with Podcast and Death. Which is the other podcast that I'm a co-host on. Semi-regular co-host because mm-hmm. I'm not on every episode there. Especially when she loses her fucking voice. Right? I did it again. I missed out on recording with them again this week. Sometimes I listen to her and I'm like, man, I wish this bitch would lose her voice. <laughs> it's your fault. Why was it my fault? I don't know because you wished for it. Do you want me to chop your vocal cords? No, I want you to not wish for my voice to not work. That's very rude. I know that it's not the nicest voice to listen to, but still rude. As I said, you sound very demure. We're going to have um, Jen and AJ from Podcast in Death on our next episode. And we are going to do a very special episode that is a regular in our rotation in Podcast in Death called Review the Reviews. And we are going to review reviews. The four of us will. We're going to bring Adam into our world of one of our favorite episodes. Hey, we're bringing things. them into our world. This well, is the no, basic snitches universe. What I'm saying is we're going to do a thing that we love to do with you, but we get to do it in the basic snitches universe, which makes it even better. So yes. all the good times. We'll do that. So this is our third special episode of the year. We like special episodes. Not the year, the season. The year's almost over. 
Leave me alone. I appreciate that you're just like, this is this number of special episode. I'm like, it's a special episode. I have no fucking idea how, what number it is. This is going to be like episode one something. Obviously. One, Obviously, it's going to be seven. one something. Episode... 27? 127 is correct. What? I'm so great. All right. Well, she's a psychic one now. So <laughs> now I guess I'll just, I don't know. What's your magical? I have no magical anything. I guess I'm going to go turn into a potato. <laughs> so oh, I thought you were going to end the episode there. I, oh, I could if you would like me to. I thought that was funny. Have a wonderful, I was going to say great holiday season, but we're not finished. No holidays recording. now. It's January. It's something. January. Have a great Martin Luther King Day. When does this go out? Tara, do you have a guess? Shit. Since you're psychic now? Um, January. I'm trying to find Actually, it, it coincides January. with another holiday. January 26th. No, actually, it would be February 2nd, which is Groundhog's Day. Literally the next week. So have a wonderful Groundhog's Day. For the sake of all of us, I hope that you don't see your shadow and that we don't get another six weeks of winter. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out! <laughs>